Well, praise the Lord. Let's pray as we get ready to get into the Word. Father, we thank you for your privilege of giving us your Word, the fact that, Lord, you loved us so much. You left a, a document of how you want us to be and how you want us to live our lives and the promises that you made for us. We just rejoice, Lord God, that you left a record behind of how you think and how you are and what you can do for us. We thank you, Lord God, as we delve into that today. We'll see your glory. We'll see your presence coming to this house. And we give you the praise, glory, and honor for it. In Jesus' name, and all agreed, said, amen. amen. So this is the grand finale, the last of the four-part series, Expecting an Encounter with the Lord. Now, when you expect something, what, is it, what happens? You're, there's an expectancy on the inside of you. Like when you're expecting someone to come, home, come over for, your, for dinner, what do you do? You, you prepare. You, you clean the house. You get the tables cleaned and cleared off. You put a tablecloth on there, right? You get the nice dishes, all right? Depending on if you like the person or not. You get the nice dishes. <laughs> or if you don't like the person, you just open there. oh, it's you. No. <laughs> you, get, you get the nice dishes. Yay, you even get a centerpiece. And if you really like them, you get flowers to put around the house because you're expecting something special to happen. So guess what? If you're expecting the Lord to come, you prepare yourself. You cleanse your heart. You get your, your body prepared to receive and meet him. And then you uh, anticipate him coming and his presence to come. And when you do that, God will show up. I'm here to tell you, God will show up. Amen? And so I, I did have my altar in, in, a, in a private room in the house, but now I got another altar over outside in the backyard with my doggy friend. So we, you, know, you, have, you can have multiple altars, but when you get in that place, it's like the Lord just comes in with his presence, and you feel comfortable because he gives you guidance, he gives you strength, gives you courage to fight the battles. He tells you what's going to happen, and you can just uh, be encouraged and have confidence to know that God is on my side. I don't have to fear no matter what comes against me. I have a God who I met in the morning going to be with me in the nighttime, amen, and throughout the day. Praise his holy name. So we, we can say that uh, God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Is that right? He picks you up when you're down because he has a relationship with you. If you have a friend and they're down, don't you want to go and help them? You don't want to just see them flounder. You have, you have compassion, and God has compassion with us. And so uh, we're going to look here that an altar, next slide, is, is a time and a place where we designate to seek God and spend time with him. How often? Daily, right? Daily bread. It's our fellowship, communion, and conversations with God, which changes our insides, changes the way we are. Because, you know what? We were not born perfect. I don't know if you knew that or not. But we had problems uh, uh, when we were born, not only from our parents that we received as an inheritance, but the way we were raised, the hurts and the pains that we've had, and all the things that have affected us, some have worse than others, but all can be corrected by God. God can minister to each and every one of us and bring us out of where we were. So when we come to God, he helps us with our situations. He helps us with ourselves. And a lot of our problems come from ourselves, our attitude, the way we are, the way we uh, react to people, the way we receive correction. You know, some people just can't even keep a job. They just get so upset at everything. And people, you know, they say, well, this, you won't believe this. And they have this long story about what this person did to them. And come on, well, th aren't there other people working there too? Or are you the only one that they picked on? 
Well, usually they're the same uh, for everybody. But the way we describe it, and I'm going to show you this picture here. If you can see, this is the tip of the iceberg and how pretty that is. Isn't that nice and pretty white, crystal clean and clear and pure? And, and so this is how some of our Christianity is. You only see the tip of the iceberg. You see the person walk into church and they look so nice. They're holding their Bibles, they read their Bibles, they sing songs unto God. But when they go home, you see the portion that nobody sees, the 90%, which is ugly, <laughs> has anger, disappointments, hurts, frustrations, and they come out at crazy times that you don't even know why they're coming up. So uh, we learned this from uh, a resource that was given to us about how to get down deep into uh, changing ourselves, our personalities, and our Christianity. We no longer can be just tip of the iceberg Christians. We're, we're, we're not having a deep change on the inside of us. We're not allowing the Lord to work inside of us to get rid of all these things that come out. And how does it come out? In criticism, in, in gossip, in anger, you know, uh, cursing. I don't, Christians shouldn't curse, should they? But how many of you cursed? I'm going to look, okay? I mean, it happens. You, you heard about the one guy... You heard about the one guy that was playing basketball with his pastor, and they were playing, and something happened, and he cursed. And, and he said, Pastor, Pastor, I'm sorry, that was the last one. It was stuck right here, and that was the last. I think I'm completely clear of this now. <laughs> so you might change a lot where everybody notices. On the external, you look like you've changed. You know, you go to church on Sunday, and, and you say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, Glory to God. But then, all of a sudden, things uh, change when, when things upset you and, and things pu uh, you know, push you the wrong way. Then all of a sudden, you have a different reaction. And you go, where did that come from? Why am I yelling? Why am I screaming? Why am I angry at this? Why am I disappointed? Why, why do I have this depression on the inside of me? Well, my wife and I, the last week, we've been studying this and finding out it's, you have to be open and honest before the Lord and yourselves and explain things and talk about things and find out why, what's really bothering you. And when you do that, you allow the Lord to come in and change you because you can't change yourself. We've tried, haven't we tried? To, you know, you know push it down and just be, you know, subdue it and have it just be, you know, down on us. But it's going to pop up like jack-in-the-box. It's just going to come out of you. And so we have to let, we can't change ourselves. That's God's job. Our job is to open up and allow space for him to come in and rearrange and change and make the adjustments that's needed so that we can be deep down Christians. So this, this pastor, he was in New Jersey and he was very successful for about six or seven years and they had a church of about 1,500 people. And at the end of six or seven years, he said, I'm tired. I can't do this forever. Something's wrong here. And his wife says, yeah, I'm tired too. I think I want to quit. <laughs> and so they say, well, we have to readjust. We have to change because we're doing Christianity and then we're living our lives and it's, not, it's, not, it's a disconnect. They said, we have to allow the Lord to minister to us and then out of that ministry, then we re reach out to others. And we found that, my wife and I found that it's so much easier to do it that way at work, at church, wherever you're at, just to be open and honest and have the confidence to know that God's got your back. God's watching over you. He's going to defend you because he loves you. Amen? So we have to change ourselves or let the Lord change ourselves from the inside out. You know, there's a studies done by Barna 
and, and he's done studies between Christians and non-Christians, and he found out there's not much difference between the two in the divorce rate, in the, the prescription drugs that people take, the pornography that people watch. So they're the same. So that's not good. We're supposed to change deep down on the inside of us because it's not the, matter, it's not the amount of prayer meetings we go to, not the amount of times that we read the Bible. It's how we let the Bible get into us. It's not how, long, how many times you read the Bible or how, how, how fast you get through the Bible, but how the Bible gets through you and allow him to change us. So uh, this is what we have to learn as Christians. And so we can be obedient to the Lord, and he is the Lord of our lives. And I like this next scripture. It says, Luke 6, 46, this is a very telling scripture. It says, and why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Well, what kind of, who, who put that scripture in there? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is a little frustrated. He said, you call yourself a Christian, but I tell you to do something, you don't do it. You don't forgive that person. You, don't, you hold on to grudges. You, you, know, you don't love like I love. You don't help people when I ask you to help them. So why you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Well, what does it mean to be Lord? Let's look at it over here. Definition of Lord is to be a ruler, a master, owner, controller. We don't like those words, do we? Don't control me. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. What, are you my master? <laughs> My mother used to say, who died and made you boss, you know? But see, we're not used to that because we're in a democratic society. Do as you feel. You know, if it feels good, do it. You know, don't, don't rub me the wrong way. Allow me to be who I am. But God doesn't know that. God, God doesn't operate that way. You know, he's, here's words that God is not used to us saying. Whatever. Maybe, whenever, I don't know, I can't, I won't, I'll pray about it. What, what is that? We used to call that sloppy agape, right? You, just, you, you love, but just the way you want to love, not the way God wants to use you. You look at the Old Testament people, they had to overcome situations that they were facing. They didn't just have a tiptoe through the tulips. No, they had, they had problems facing them. David said, how increased are those that trouble me? Many are those that oppress me, but I trust in you, Lord. Amen? So that's what we have to do. Now, now God is an exact God. I don't know if you knew that or not, but he's pretty organized. He's got this whole world organized. I mean, the devil's messed it up with the fall of man, and so we see burnt, things that are dying and, and things, and fires and all these kinds of things. But basically, it was built to operate perfectly with the seed time and the harvest and the animals and the, all this stuff. And so, uh, but so he's a very exact God. And he, he wants your life to be exact too. The things that he has planned for you, he has a specific plan for us. We mess it up, but that doesn't follow him up. He still brings us to the point where he wants to take us. You, you, you can't even mess up his, his uh, order, even if you try. So I want to say this to you. Today, God has prepared you for this point to get you to the next point. So no matter what happened up to this point, he's using it as a way to get you to the place where he wants to get you. He's not frustrated. He, you haven't thwarted all of his plans. So let me show you how, how exact the Lord is. This is Noah building the ark. Now, God didn't tell Noah, hey, just make an ark, okay? I, you know, whatever you want to do, just put it together. No, he was very exact. He told him, these are the dimensions. 
300 cubits long. How long is a cubit? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Good thing I have a little translation in my Bible. It's 450 feet long. Make it 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Put, make it out of cypress wood, not any kind of wood, but the cypress wood. Pitch the outside and the inside and put a roof on it and leave 18 inches all the way around. And I started thinking, why, do you want, why would he want an airway uh, 18 inches all the way around? Anybody can tell me? So they could breathe, right? If he, God didn't tell him that, he probably went all the way up to the top. He didn't know he was going to be there for a year. Plus all the stink had it. Go. So then he told him to put a door there. And Noah did it. You can see he's following the pattern. He's following the instructions. God has instructions for our lives, what he wants us to do. We've got to follow him. Let's look at another guy, Moses. The Bible says Moses was faithful in all of his house. And he was faithful in... Uh, doing the law and the commandments of the Lord. Now, the law, the Lord told him to build a tabernacle with the outer court, the middle court, and the inner court, right? Now, I looked up the instructions that the Lord gave him, and if I had these instructions, it wouldn't have gotten done. I'm, I'm here to tell you. He goes, okay, make the tabernacle with 10 curtains of finely twisted linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. Does it have to be blue, Lord? Can it be... I, with cherubim woven, woven into them by a skilled worker, all the curtains are to be the same size, 28 cubits long and four cubits wide. Join five of the curtains together and do the same with the outer five. Make loops of blue material along the edge of the... Three chapters of this. And Moses is writing down... You see, well, how many? What? Two, four, I like this one part. It says, uh, <laughs> make 50 bronze clasps and put them in the loops to fasten the tent together as a unit. You ever do the, the loops in, the, in the, um, the shower? How many are there? Like 15 or 20, 12? I get tired doing that. Don't you get tired doing that? Do we have to do all of these? Isn't there an easier way? God says, do it the way I told you to do it. Say it the way I told you to say it. Go to the person that I told you to go to. Amen? Don't make him pull his hair out. <laughs> Allow him to minister through you. Okay, do we have somebody else? Oh, this guy. Oh, boy. He got a rude awakening. <laughs> Anybody know who this is? Uzzah. Yeah, that's right. Uzzah. And what God did, uh, what happened was the Ark of the Covenant got stolen by the Philistines. And so Saul... He didn't think anything about going and get it, but David said, you know what, what are we doing here? We, can, we need the Ark of the Covenant. Let's go get it. So they went there, and they got a new cart. That sounds good, right? Got the oxen to haul it back to Jerusalem. And David was excited. Oh, okay, we got the Ark coming back. And so Uzzah, the, the oxen started to stumble, and Uzzah reaches his hand out to grab the Ark to hold it, and guess what happens? Poof! The anger of the Lord hit him, and he died. And David's going, what? What happened here? God said, you did not do it the way I told you to do it. I told you that the Levites were supposed to carry it on the poles, on their shoulders, and carry it into Jerusalem. Not this ox and this cart stuff. That's man-made. I wanted to have the holy people of God respect me and keep me. And I don't need no help with anybody putting their hand out, okay? I can take care of myself. And these are the reasons why Uzzah, Uzzah went down. And David, you know, he was angry at the Lord. You ever get angry at the Lord? You go, Lord, why did this not work out? 
Why am I not healed? Why is the, my marriage not working? Why are my uh, kids not respecting me? What, what is going on here? And God said, come on, let's, let's reason together. Let's talk about it. Let's see what we can do. And then you talk about it, and yay, maybe the problem is up. How could that possibly be, that we would be the problem? And so you may have to make an adjustment to, you know, uh, make sure that you're doing things according to the Lord. Husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church. Fathers, don't provoke your children to, to wrath, right? But <laughs> when I used to correct my son, he goes, Dad, you're provoking me to, la- to wrath right now, you know? <laughs> you're supposed to nurture, and ad- you know, nurture me in the admonition of the Lord. That's the lawyer, that lawyer in him, man, it just keeps coming up. <laughs> so, uh, so, Uzzah, so, so David is angry at the Lord. But then he went back to the scriptures and tried to figure out, well, why is the Lord mad? That's what we have to do. Go back to the scriptures, open up our heart. What is wrong? What am I doing wrong? And then it, it hit him. Oh, we're supposed to put that ark on the Levites on their shoulders and carry it into Jerusalem. He did it. He was rejoicing, and God was victorious, and David was happy because he did what God had called him to do. Are you doing what God's called you to do? If things are not working out right, go back to the book. Go back to the manual. Go back to the instructions. God, what am I doing wrong? Why isn't things going good for me? Why, why am I not having favor on my job? Well, maybe you're given a bad attitude. Maybe you're not going that extra mile. Who knows? God knows, but that's where the devotion time comes in, to ask him, Lord, come on inside, find out. You know, some people don't like to, be, to, to take instructions. Did you know that? A lot of people don't like you to, t- you, know, you to tell them what to do, and we don't like to be told what to do. Sometimes they tell us what to do. I don't like your attitude. <laughs> well... <laughs> You know, work with it. Amen? Okay, let's see. So uh, I, I want to go back to, keep going. I want to go back to this story we, we did last week about Hezekiah. I want to show you why Hezekiah's prayers worked. Why he was able to petition the Lord and talk to the Lord and have him change his mind. Because remember, it says, in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. (laughs) That's reverse of the New Testament, right? You shall live and not die. He said, you're going to die and not live. And that's pretty, you know, emphatic when you got the prophet coming and telling you this. And so Hezekiah, he didn't take it. What did he do? The next scripture he goes. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord saying, Remember now, O Lord. He's saying, don't you remember how we were? How we worked together? How we had devotions together? How I did everything that you called me to do? Hezekiah, uh, he took over after his father was doing evil. And the Bible says that Hezekiah turned out, turned, or, broke down all the idols that were in the land and made a dedication to the Lord. And the Bible said there was no one like him before, no king that was greater before him or after him. He was serving the Lord greatly. It says, remember, O Lord, I pray how I walk before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. I can't take it when somebody's crying. Do you? Can you take it when they're crying? Oh, baby, what's the matter? Well, how can we help? If it's a good person, you know. And, and so God can't take it when Hezekiah, his friend, is, is weeping. So the next scripture says, or here he is praying earnestly, right? And the next scripture says, And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father, 
Isn't that nice? Your father, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't you like a turnaround like that that fast? Before he had even got out of the middle court, before he even got home, out the street, all of a sudden God tells him, go back and tell him, I heard it, I hear your cry, and I'm going to deliver you. Next, next scripture. And this is why I looked back, researched it. And thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judea and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. And in every work that he begun in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with what? All of his heart and he prospered. But what happened? He turned away. He got carried away in that, what, that 90% that no one saw. It took, him, took over him. You know how you see pastors, they're doing such great works, and all of a sudden there's a great scandal. What happened? That 90% started rising up, and they put, didn't put a check into it. And you get, you get a little bit of success, you feel powerful, you feel like you're better than everybody else, and all of a sudden you're caught in a trap, and the devil's got you. Uh, we went to, I went to a pastor's meeting yesterday, and he said, this pastor, doing great work uh, out somewhere uh, in Rancho, and he had 400 members, and all of a sudden, he admits, okay, I'm into immorality. You know, I'm into some things I shouldn't be into. Got to step down. What happened? He had everything that you thought he, would, he should have, the thing that he's dreamed about, the, the, the heart that he's given to the Lord, and then, poof, it spoils him. So we can't be too confident that we are, you know, just going to make it all the way to the end. I, I want to make it all the way to the end. I want to have a good record all the way till I meet the Lord. I don't want to say, oh, like Hezekiah, I, I messed up and I turned from the Lord and I did evil now in the sight of the Lord. No, I want to be strong in him, in the power of his might. Amen? Okay, uh, because here's this uh, next scripture. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, I like this, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hidden. What's the saying? When you go to pray to the Lord, all your works go before him, before you, your prayers are there. He knows all about you. You know, he, 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 he looked at the paper clippings, okay. <laughs> Sean a good guy, Okay. I see his heart. I see he sets up. I see he serves the Lord. I, I, I hear you. I see your prayers now. Amen? So we have to know that, that you can't feel, fool God. A couple more scriptures. Look at this. John 4, 23 through 24. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Do we have true worshipers here? How many true worshipers do we have here? Yes? Okay, you're, you're into that. So you have to worship him in what? Spirit and truth. What does that mean? Word and the Spirit. You have to know the Word of God. You have to follow the Word of God, but then you have to have the right attitude, the right spirit in it, the Spirit of the Lord. Otherwise, if you have all Word and no Spirit, what, you become legal. Well, you know, you shouldn't have done that, brother. I don't know what's wrong with you. You're going to have to, you know, pay the price, and, you know, you're in trouble, and don't come to this fellowship no more, and I don't know, we don't want to fellowship with... That's legal. But the Spirit is... You know, I want to just do better. I want to serve the Lord. God, can you help me? Can, can you move in my behalf? Because God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
You've got to have the Holy Spirit. You've got to have the Spirit of God residing on the inside of you. How do you get that? You pray in the Spirit. You sing to the Lord, and, what, uh, and you praise the Lord. And let's look at the Scripture. This is what David said. I will bless the Lord at all times. You see that word will? I make a willful effort. I am going to bless him at all times. His praise shall continually be where? Not in my mind. We had this one guy, I remember this guy that came to our other church, and he's, he's, he was a professor at APU, and he says, well, you, you can sing to the Lord in your mind, you know, yeah, yeah we, we, God, God honors that. Well, what if we all did that? <laughs> Kelly's singing, and... <laughs> how, how do you... I mean, I, I know, I, I, I've done it. It's tempting to do, just sing the songs and be passive and everything. But God wants you to be vocal, right? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Shout unto the God with a voice of triumph. And I actually met with a guy. I go, what in the world are you teaching anyway? <laughs> you want to hold us back and restrain us? And, and we're supposed to break forth, right? When God told uh, Joshua to march around the... The wall, seven times on the seventh day, he said, I want you to shout, not think. <laughs> shout, and the walls will come down. You have to break forth when you sing and when you speak. And he says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnify the Lord. Make the Lord bigger than your problems. A lot of times we make our problems bigger than the Lord. Lord, I don't know if you can help me with this one. I don't know. It's just too much. I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, the Lord, come on now. I'm going to put the Lord above my problems. Lord, you come on and you take care of this situation. I'm casting the care of it upon you. I know you're going to work on my behalf. I trust in you and your goodness and in your love and in your power. And so I believe that you're going to do it in Jesus' name. And you walk away from it and you watch him do the work. You, you, this new movie called uh, The War Room is kind of based on that, based on going to a secret place and praying spiritual warfare to cause things to change in your life. That's, that's my message. They made a movie out of it. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Thank God we don't have any fears here, right? I didn't get a real big amen on that. That's okay because we have Ivy going to do a, a session on that September the 13th, a two-part series starting on September 13th on how to, we don't know the title yet, overcome your fears or how to deal with your fears. Huh? No fear here. No fear here. Woo, I like that. Who wants to be a part of that? No fear here. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to be part of that. Okay, now our last uh, little segment here. We're going to talk about the types of praise. Okay. Now, I was raised in a very conservative church. And, uh, yo, we don't do that stuff. We don't raise our hands. We don't dance. We barely sing. You know, and so then we come into this church. We went to this church, charismatic, Pentecostal, you know, shouting and jumping church. And, and they raised their hands. And so for us, it was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do here? So... We, you ever do the half-mast? I praise him, praise him, praise him in the morning. And then maybe sometimes you get up to two, two half-masts. 
But to go all the way, oh my Lord, I don't know if we can do that. Ah! How in the world? They're up there. I'm up. Okay. How are we doing? Are we okay? Praise the God. But the first type of praise, yada, means to extend, lift, or use your hands in surrenderance to God. You sur- Isn't that what you do when somebody sticks a gun at you? I surrender, right? <laughs> I give up. That's a universal sign, but that's what we do. To, I give up. I extend my hand. I, I acknowledge you as the most high God. That's the first type of praise. The next one is uh, tagwa, is to clap your hands. Strike a blow in re- response to God's works. And they used to say, give a hand clap of praise to the Lord. And I'm going like, does he need a hand clap of praise? <laughs> no, we need it. <laughs> you know, we need to praise him, all right? We don't need to praise the opera singer or whatever is going on. Taga. Okay. Uh, and then there's the third one called Barak. It's to bow in reverence before God's awesome presence. And that's what he says, I will bless the Lord, I will Barak. That means to kneel down before God in his presence. You think, oh, you don't have to do all that. No, but you know what? When you do, God takes note of it. God is pleased with that because you're giving it with your whole heart, your whole strength, your whole mind. And I've done that, and, and boy, God, God notices. God comes down, and he just, you know, spends time with you. Then here's, here's one I like, Shabbat. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sing a little song on that. Okay, it means shout to the Lord even before an answer comes. What kind of craziness is that? Before, you mean you're going to rejoice before you score the touchdown? What, what, rejoice before you see what's supposed to happen, happen? That's faith. That's believing. That's trusting the God. God gets happy with that. He said, you, you're, you're praising me. Don't, shout, don't wait for the victory. Shout now. So, so I'm going to tell you a little story before we sing the song. Is uh, We went to this church, and uh, I had, they were $130,000 in debt when I took over. And so in a year's time, believing God, they got out of debt. And so they noticed, you know, Pastor, you have, you have a dual talent. You, like, you, you can take care of money, but you like to take care of people. And you like to take care of people more. So we're going to put you over pastoral care. I said, praise the Lord. That's wonderful. I'm tired of doing the money stuff. So I you know, was engaging with the people. But lo and behold, after about a year or two, the girl that took over wasn't doing the money very well. And so she stopped paying the property taxes on the, on the property that we own, to the tune of $30,000. So yo, Pastor Chuck, come on in and clear this mess up. So we started believing God in word and in spirit. Amen? And so we confessed, we believed, and we... Uh, petitioned the Lord, and we praised the Lord. And so we had a meeting one time, and we went over all this. Okay, we owe $30,000, and then we went through some other difficulties that we have. When you have a big church, you have more difficulties. Did you know that? Bigger numbers, bigger zeros, uh, more people. It's just more crazy people come. And so, oh, yeah, we have crazy people. We had crazy people come, you know. People stand up. I need a job. (laughs) Okay, please, can we... Yeah, and then he, we didn't listen to him. So next next week he had a sign. I need a job, you know. <laughs> Ushers come in. We had this one lady that used to stand up. I know you do it real well. You probably don't want to do it. Goes, Hello, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Can you put that? Can you tell that lady sit down, please? And then we had one guy that would preach. <laughs> Louder than the preacher. 
preacher would say something, that's right, pastor, you preach it now, you, you, see, you speak the truth, and that's right. <laughs> so we had problems. <laughs> so we went over all these problems and, uh, in a meeting, and then we go to our midweek service, and the pastor gets up there, and he's shouting, and he's praising, and he's dancing with, to the Lord, and I'm going, was he in the same meeting that we were in? We're $30,000 down. We got problems all over the church. We got people unruly. And he's going crazy like everything's happy and everything's going well. And I said, I after I go, what in the world were you doing up there? He says, I'm not going to let my problems tear me down and bring me down from praising my God. He said, okay, I'll go, I'll, I'll go with that. But you know, when you're living these things, when you're $30,000 down and you got problems, if somebody tells you that, you think, okay, but where's the answer? It's out there. You don't know where it's at. It, you know, to live it, when you know the end of the story, it's easy. But when you're living it and you don't see the answer, you're wondering, is it ever going to happen? So anyway, so we're, this uh, month went by, two months went by, and we're wondering, like, pretty soon we're going to be at the point where we're not going to be able to keep the property anymore. And this is like a $1.3 million piece of property. To lose it over $30,000 is pretty bad. So I'm in my office one day. And uh, she comes in the, the office, and she goes, Pastor, excuse me, but um, do you have a, a seed envelope? We used to call them seed envelopes, you know, envelope that you put your seed in. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, I told the, um, what did you call that girl? Receptionist, get, get the lady a seed envelope. Get, please, quick, quick, get them. <laughs> and, and so she said, she comes, she says, um, I just sold my property, my house, and I made a profit on it, so I want to give, you know, what I made to the Lord. I go, fine. She goes, but I wanted to know, do I give it to you all at once or do I break it up in little bits and pieces? So I went to the senior pastor and I said, she wants to know, do we break it up or do we pay it all at once? She said, well, how, he said, how, how did she get it? All at once. Well, then give it all at once. So she went and she made out the check for $30,000. She handed it to me and I prayed with her and I went in and told the pastor, I go, pastor, you may not believe this, but he fell out. He fell on the floor he, behind his desk. Oh, my God. You know, very expressionate in his heart. But it never happened before, never happened after. What changed? Praising God, shabaking him before it happens. Praise God. Amen. Oh, we're not done. We got one more slide. Are we okay? I can just say it if you want me to. Okay. Um, the other one is, uh, I got three more. Zamar. It means to praise him with the instruments as a minstrel, loud and skillfully. So I know some churches, they don't believe in instruments. They just a cappella all the way. Well, whatever. And then halal is where we get the word hallelujah. It means to rave and boast of the Lord, to celebrate before him, be calamorously spontaneous and foolish to make a show before him. That's what David did. He halaled. And he also covered. That's to dance and whirl around before the Lord, in honor of him with all of his might. Remember David did that when he brought the ark in? He was dancing, you know, clamorously, foolishly. And his wife said, you're, you're, a, you're a king, you're acting like a fool. He said, I'll be even more foolish for my God. Because that's where the victory comes. Because the Lord had brought him out of a mighty long way. So we're going to see this. Uh, I have a little video that I want to share, share with you. And it's about... Um, it's a guy named Brian Cage, who, y'all, huh? 
Byron Cage. And uh, he, he teamed up with uh, some singers, Kurt Carr singers. And uh, Kurt Carr, who's the main singer, he, he's dancing. You'll see him dancing there. And then they got a, a great uh, musician group to come along. And they put it all together. And it was like the perfect storm. And it's perfect praise. And then at the end, they're going to talk about the three or the three or four types of praise. So I wanted you just to enjoy it. And sometimes, you know, everybody has their own expression. Some people jump and shout. Some people just tap their foot. Some people just sway back and forth. But whatever, <laughs> whatever you do here or at home, do it as unto the Lord. Okay, let's roll them. Come on, do like this. Come on, come on, put your hands together. Some of you remember this song. It's very simple, it just says this.
I'm gonna shabak him now. I'm gonna shabak him now. Right where you are. Give him the prize. Hallelujah. We will shabak you. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, uh, that's a learned behavior. <laughs> you have to go home and practice that. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to expand us so that we can, you know, learn how the other side lives. And, uh, you know, I mean, Ivory, you've seen that, and Kelly, and Sylvia, and Darlene. I mean, you know, this is an expression of God that can break down, you know, walls. And that's the kind of praise they were doing when we were $30,000 in debt, ready to lose property. And they're doing that, and I'm going like, what in the world is going on with you? And then I'll play that at 5 o'clock in the morning when my, before my wife wakes up and she'll come in and she'll go like, what are you doing? <laughs> Isn't that a little early? <laughs> when it's coming through the wall and I'm, the, the, the house is rocking. <laughs> Amen. So, but, so when we went to this church and these little kids are dancing like that. And I'm going like, did they just come out of the womb like that? Or what, what happened? They said, no, they had to go home and practice. They, they work on their step, and so that when they come, the Lord comes on them. And it, it took us a while. It took us about a year or so before we really finally, you know, got the feeling of it. Because otherwise, it just looks silly. Okay, okay. Uh -huh. You're happy, I guess. So I, 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 I played this on my, my phone. Uh, yeah, my I, iPhone. And I would take it to people that I know would be responsive to it, you know. And I'd go, listen to this. And they were typing and they're getting, they're getting all excited, you know, they listen to it three or four times. They go, now we know why you dance around here. Because <laughs> sometimes you just, you just break out into it. You're going down the hall and you just, hey, hallelujah, blessed be the rock. <laughs> so anyway, if you want dance lessons, uh, just uh, give us a call. <laughs> but let's pray right now that the Lord would spark upon us to live together with him in spirit and truth. So I want to recap what we learned today in just a, a capsule. And what we learned was, what did we learn? Do all, yeah, dance. Do all that we, do all the word of God with all of your heart and allow the spirit of the Lord to minister to you and with you and for you. Amen. So Father, we just thank you for the privilege of being here with you to hear your word, to hear your encouragement, to hear your strength. And what we need to do to follow after you. We thank you, Lord God, that all of our troubles can lay by the side because you're strong enough, big enough, mighty enough to cause them to fall. And so, Father, we thank you that as we praise you, as we worship you, as we do all the things that you want us to do, we'll see your glory manifested in our lives. And so for this, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor, and all agreed said, amen, amen, amen. amen.